generation to generation. I'm here today. I'm here today standing on the shoulders of great men and women of God who said yes to Jesus. Who said yes to Jesus. And not just my parents, but their parents and other people's parents and and it just goes back forever. And I think a lot of times we lose sight of the fact that we are only here because of the faithfulness of God, first of all, and then the faithfulness of others to say yes and to share the message. And so in this series, we're gonna talk about family. We're gonna talk about our physical families. We're gonna talk about our spiritual family. We're gonna talk about our roles and about how to navigate family life. And one of my favorite things about this month is gonna be on February 26th, the last Sunday of this month, we're gonna have a family service. And so uh, we'll still have nursery and pre-K, but our elementary students will join us for the service. We'll have some special stuff with the kids and and the the message and everything is gonna be geared towards everybody. It's gonna be something applicable for everyone from elementary all the way to uh, 80, 90 years old. And so um, be here that day, it's gonna be amazing. But during this series, we're gonna talk about parenting, family, um, and, and how many of you know that, that every single generation that comes along thinks that they're experts on, on everything, right? Anybody that have kids know, that, know this, right? Your kids think they're experts. Uh, I, I love it that kids these days uh, think that, they can, that Google can tell them anything. <laughs> have you noticed that? Like, oh, I'll just look it up on Google. And those of us that have been around the block a, a few times are like, well, you might not be able to find that answer on Google. Uh, you know, some things you, you have to experience to learn. But I love the word generation. It's, it's both a unifying and sometimes a disunifying word. And so it's powerful. It can do one or the other. But I found one, one social definition of a generation that says this is people within a delineated population who's, who experience the same significant events within a period of time. And most of the time, that's how we look at it. It's like, well, my generation went through this and my generation went through that. And we walked uphill to school both ways. Can I get an amen? (laughs) But you think about just the last, if we just take the last hundred years of history, just the last hundred years and and the things that shaped the generations, we have the depression, we've got World War II, We have the the civil rights movement. We have uh, things like the JFK assassination where everybody remembers where they were when it happened. Vietnam, landing on the moon. Now getting into my lifetime, the Challenger disaster, I still remember watching that thing on TV in school, six years old. I remember getting my first cell phone. Man, how did that change a generation? 1998, right before Christmas, I got that Nokia, and man, I was playing Snake all day long. Come on, right? 9-11, remember where I was? I walked into my apartment in my senior year of college, and one, one plane had already hit, and my roommates were like, dude, you gotta check this out, and I watched the second plane hit. Events that define a generation. I'm sure everyone remembers where they were when the Bengals won the Super Bowl. Too soon? Sorry, guys. I'm not from Cincinnati, so I can can pick on y'all. Some of you will get that later, but just, just so you don't have to wait, the Bengals have never won the Super Bowl, right? So... Okay, how about, how about this one? We all remember where we were when the refs gave the game to Kansas City. Amen. At least I got one amen from people that normally don't say it this morning. 
No, I'm growing to love the Bengals. Uh, they're a great team, and, and it sure is fun to watch. But just in my lifetime, just in my life, and I'm, I'm, I still think I'm pretty young, 42 years old, and just in my lifetime, seatbelts were made mandatory, child-proofing became a thing. Kids, that, that, didn't, that didn't exist when I was little, right? Helmets on bikes became a thing. Screens, the internet, cutting cable, right? Man, but when I was a kid, it was like, we got cable, yeah! And now it's like, we're cutting the cord. But these kind of experiences, they bind people together in one generation to the next. And sometimes it separates the generation and one generation feels like the other one doesn't understand them. And we kind of have this attitude, well, that happened to you, but it didn't happen to me. And so we just don't get each other. More and more, we live in an individualistic society and everybody's just all about themselves. And there's always people that reject the labels, you know, in generations. It's like, well, that's not going to be us. We're going to do things different. And so we see each generation scrambling around to find their identity, thinking that they found a new way of doing things that many times isn't so new. For instance, have you seen all the kids walking around in bell bottoms? It's like, hey, that's not new. Come on. Or kids making tie-dye t-shirts, and it's like, hey, that ain't new, right? But it's fun, isn't it, just to see it all come back around? I love this quote by Derek Johnson. He said, if you think you're smarter than the previous generation, consider this. 50 years ago, the owner's manual of a car showed you how to adjust the valves. Today, it warns you not to drink the contents of the battery. <laughs> right? And so there's, there's funny stuff, and it's easy to pick on each other. You know, the younger are picking on the older, and the older are picking on the younger, and, and yeah, whatever. But one thing that's really scary to me in our day and age, Tim Elmore says this in his new book, it's called A Different, or A New Kind of Diversity, and it's all about generational diversity. And he says, generations often don't have to connect to survive. And in our world, the family of God, in the church world, and in, 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 in this world where we're all bound together by a relationship with Jesus, let me just tell you emphatically, church, that just can't happen. It can't happen. We cannot carry an attitude in which we think that we don't need each other to survive. We struggle as generations to pass along the most important things. And that's what today's talk is all about. Why is this? I think the most simple answer of why do we struggle to pass on the most important things, and you can follow along in your notes, you can fill in the blanks, you can go in the Mosaic Church app and fill in the blanks there as well. But why is it so hard for us to pass on the most important things? Because you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. <laughs> can I get an amen? Parents, if you've, if you've watched your kids grow up, you're like, oh man, where did they get that? They got it from me, right? And so we struggle. And we also know that there are things that war against the transfer of the most important things. There really are. These days, many people believe it's become a very in vogue thing to believe that we shouldn't try to influence the faith of our children at all. It's become very PC, whatever you want to, however you want to say it, 
that we should just let them find their own paths. That we're not going to make them go to church because our parents made us go to church. We're not going to make them do this. We're not going to make them do that. We're just going to let them figure it out on their own. Some even believe that, you know, man, if you really try to teach and influence the next generation, oh, you're just trying to indoctrinate them. Listen, people can be harmful. People can get it wrong. Earthly families, even well-meaning earthly families get things wrong. There's no such thing as a perfect family. I get things wrong. There are so many moments as I've parented my kids that I wish I could take back, that I wish I could do over, right? So none of us get it right. But, church, we have a sacred obligation to pass on what God has given us to the next generation. It's not an option. Scripture, the book that we use as our guide for living, our our guide for life, it does not give us an option. We can't let any personal failures in the past to deter us from passing on the right things to the next generation. We can't be bashful. We can't be intimidated by culture. We are told that we have to do it by God's word. We must be guided by grace and intentionality and be influencers to those we have the privilege of being around. Up, across, down, all around. Our kids, our peers, those that have gone before us, we're here to serve each other and to join arms together and to make sure that what God has given us, the baton, does not get dropped. Psalm 145.4 says it like this. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. Doesn't sound like an option to me. Psalm 102.12 says, But you, O Lord, will sit on your throne forever. Your fame will endure to every generation. Are you seeing the pattern? Psalm 102.18 says, Let this be recorded for future generations so that a people not yet born will praise the Lord. Love it. What we do matters. It matters so much. God's fame didn't begin with me and it won't end with me. Amen? But I'm privileged to play a part. I'm privileged to carry a baton and to make sure that it gets handed off well. He is the author of the story, and I play a role in his script. And we're going to look today at, in Genesis chapter 12, one of the major players in God's story, um, Abraham. God did something new in his life that would affect every generation after it in all of history. He made a promise to a man that he would be faithful a promise that would connect people from generations to come. And it wasn't based on how great of a man Abraham was. It was based on God's goodness. And aren't you thankful for that? That you, being what God has called you to be in this generation and passing it on to the next generation has nothing to do with, uh, you know, nothing to do with your performance. It has to do with the things that we're going to talk about today. A relentless dependence and faith in God. And so how do we pass on the most important things? I'm glad you asked. Let's jump in today. Number one, we pass on the most important things in our relationship with Christ by first of all, placing faith in God's promises. 
For some of you that are new, maybe you don't go to church a lot, maybe you're, 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 all of this is new to you and like, what in the world is this guy talking about? This could be your first step today, that you place your faith in God's promises. Let's look at the promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He said, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. Now, by the way, what kind of a strange way to start out a family series. Hey, leave your family, right? But leave them and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Wow. Wow. So God made this promise to Abraham. And then later in Genesis 15, he kept going. God kept going with the promise. He said, then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. I love it. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord. Abram believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Because of his faith. See, Abraham, that's all he had. That's all he had. His dad was actually, his dad had worshiped idols. And for some reason, God, God comes to Abraham and calls him away from his family, calls him to a land he didn't know, and he just has faith. He just listens to God. He had this simple, simple faith. If you're an unbeliever today, you don't know Jesus yet, you haven't yet made a decision to follow Christ. Or maybe you're a new believer and you're still just, just you're, you have anxiety all the time about how much you still don't know. And I just wanna tell you, hey, that's okay. And if you're an unbeliever and you don't know Jesus yet, you're in the right place today. I'm so glad that you're here. This is a safe place where you can learn about God, kick the tires, learn what Jesus is about, and get to know him in your journey. And so, if you don't understand God's word yet, but you're trying, then I really believe that there's something inside of you. There's something inside of you that is telling you that you can trust God, that you can trust him, that he's real, that the same God that showed up to Abraham and took him outside and said, look up at the stars, look what I created. Hey, hey your descendants, they're gonna be as numerous as those stars in the sky. God's not making that same promise to you today, but he is making promises. He's saying, hey, I'm gonna, never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. The same, uh, the, the, the sacrifice that Jesus made for you on the cross when he laid down his life in your place is still relevant for you today, and God is still saving lives. God is still purifying hearts. God is still setting people apart for a purpose, and God still loves you. Regardless of where you've been or what you've done, he loves you just the way you are, and he loves you way too much to leave you that way. He has a better plan for your life and he's got somewhere that he wants to take you. Amen. And so the first step isn't just being perfect or knowing all the answers or, or having all this knowledge. The first step is just saying, God, I'm going to place my faith in your promises and whatever you have for me. And a lot of the times we don't even know what the next step is. We don't know. We don't know. Abraham had no children at this time. 
He didn't even seem like a likely candidate, but he trusted God. And from this point on, the generational ties from Abraham were unbroken all the way to Jesus, which is an amazing thing. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus paved the way for all peoples to participate in this inheritance promise made by God. And that's why we're here today. And so we can trace from generation to generation all the way back to Abraham and all the way back to Adam at creation. That's just how good God is and it's why we can trust him because there's an unbroken line of God's faithfulness. The craziest part of this whole line of generations to me is that there was so much imperfection along the line. But in the midst of bad choices and chaos, God still worked and fulfilled his purpose. You know, you might have had a hard road in life, a lot of chaos in your family, a lot of broken promises. Maybe you've even been hurt in church or, or you, just, you just don't want anything to do with church and you're just here today because somebody got baptized and you're just, you're just being a good sport this morning. And I just want to encourage you, just because life hasn't turned out like you thought doesn't mean that God can't have a plan for you. You see, when you place faith in God's promises like Abram did, it doesn't just affect you. It affects future generations. And it's the best thing that you can do for your family. If your family's broken and you're fighting and you're, you just don't know where to turn, the, the, the first thing to do is say, God, I don't know how I'm believing. I don't know. I don't feel like I have a leg to stand on in my faith right now, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to place my faith in you. It's kind of like, you know, as, as a believer, sometimes I feel like I'm just one beggar showing another beggar where to find food. It's like, I don't know all the answers, but I know Jesus touched me. He changed me. He gave me grace. And I can show you that. I can tell you my story. And so when we live life based on God's promises and pure faith, we are living an example to the generations of what is most important. That we're trusting that we're a part of God's family that we're adopted because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, that God has, has, has called us out and set us apart for his purposes, that we are sons and daughters and heirs of the promise. Number two, how do we pass on the most important things? By authentically following Jesus, authentically following Jesus. All of us have seen somebody that says they follow Jesus, but was really messed up and, and, and kind of gave Jesus a bad rap. Has everybody seen that before? You know, I have, I've been that person too, by the way. I've been that person that said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm following Jesus, but didn't represent him very well. I've been there. And Jesus doesn't want me to stay there. He wants me to, to keep pressing in and following Jesus with his, as pure a heart as I can have, knowing that what Jesus did on the cross for me is what makes it enough. And so, what does it mean to authentically follow Jesus? Check this out. In Hebrews 1.1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So back in the Old Testament, Abram, the prophets, people heard from God in various times and in various ways. And so we see this. We just read about it. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. And so how is Jesus speaking to you today? Or how is, how is God speaking to you today? Through the person of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for you. And then in Hebrews 8, it, it links the previous generation to ours. And it says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed God 
obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give him as, in, as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And so what does authentically following Jesus look like? Simply following him wherever he leads us. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, it continues and it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So what is it to look like to authentically follow Jesus? Have faith. Know that Jesus is the, is, is the way. He is the one speaking you today to say, hey, there's something more. There's something more in life and you need to find it. There's something more. And then we, we have simple faith like Abraham had. We step into a relationship with Christ even if we don't have all the answers yet. And then since we're surrounded by people who have made these hard decisions before, and we're surrounded by people who are making these hard decisions now, we're gonna say no to a life of sin, and we're gonna accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. We're gonna run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And when things get hard, we're, we're gonna endure. Why? Because Jesus endured. Because he was beaten, and he was nailed to a cross, and he went through all that pain and suffering so that you and I could have a relationship with him. So authentically following Jesus means that it's not, I'm not a fair weather fan. You gotta be a better, a better fan of Jesus than I am for the Bengals, right? Come on. Not just cheering for him when things go well, but really saying, hey, I'm gonna make a real commitment to follow Jesus regardless of what life brings my way. Abraham left his home to follow God's leading, even when he didn't have a child. He didn't have a child till he was 100 years old. Can you imagine? Most of his life without children, but he still had faith. Joseph, in the Old Testament, he was shunned by his brothers, but he stayed faithful to God and waited 13 years for the promises of God to happen in his life. He had faith. He followed God even when it seemed like he didn't really have a reason to. Moses was raised by Egyptians. Then he spent 40 years in the wilderness. And he didn't start the, the ministry part, the exodus from Egypt, until he, until he was 80 years old. He endured. He had faith. Your life probably isn't going to go just the way you thought. But that doesn't mean that you can't follow Christ and lead others to do the same. Authentically following Christ means that we invite Christ in the very real and raw parts of your life. You might have come here this morning and your marriage is falling apart. Your family is falling apart. You don't know the next turn. You don't know if God's real. You don't know which way is up. You just feel completely lost. You can step into a very real relationship with Jesus today and endure because of what Jesus did for you. The only way for our families and our generations to truly be all that God intended for them to be is when he's first. 
He can't be second. He can't be third. He's got to be first. The perfect family life, which is what we pursue in America, we really do. We want the perfect house, the perfect yard, the perfect car, the perfect dog. Golden doodles in every corner. Come on, somebody. Right? (laughs) We want the perfect life. But let me just lovingly encourage you today that the perfect family life devoid of surrender to Christ is temporary and without impact. The thing that will bind your family together more than anything else is a true commitment to follow Christ in the ups and in the downs when it's easy, when it's hard, always. The best thing we can ever do for our families is to truly and authentically put Christ first. I love what Sobey's been saying to the youth group lately. He's been saying, students, we're not gonna crave culture, we're gonna create culture. Come on, <laughs> love that. I'm like, Sobey, that'll preach, right? We're not gonna crave culture, we're not gonna conform to the patterns of this world and just do what all the other families are doing. We're gonna create it. We're gonna pass on the right things to the next generation. We're gonna follow Christ. And this only happens when we say Jesus is my number one and my earthly family is my number two. Jesus is my number one and my earthly family is my number two. It only happens when we follow Christ first. So many of the most generationally impactful stories in God's word included someone who didn't have a perfect family or they even had no family. Jesus didn't have family and earthly family, or he didn't have kids. He had brothers and mom. Paul, not married. So you don't have to have a family to be generationally impactful, right? But they were surrendered to God. It's the most important thing that you could do. Number three, how do we pass on the right things throughout the generations? We do this by intentionally showing the way. Intentionally showing the way on purpose. Intentional. Let me just tell you, a future that just happens just isn't that great. A future that happens without any inkling of intentionality or doing life on purpose most of the time doesn't turn out right. There are some people that get lucky, win the lottery, and, and, and it, have you noticed that even that doesn't usually turn out that great? All the money in the world, but things just don't, still don't seem to fall into place. Listen, a future that just happens just isn't that great. A lack of clear direction in life leads to apathy and a a lack of purpose. And some of you are there. It's like, I haven't been really intentional. I've just been taking life as it comes. And you just feel like, man, what in the world is the purpose of life? Isolation leads to apathy. You know, when you're not around people that are going in the same direction towards Christ and you're not really pursuing Christ, it's just like, eh, whatever happens, happens. And apathy never leads us anywhere good. And we saw this in Joshua uh, 2, chapter, uh, Joshua 2, verse 10. Joshua was an amazing man, had led Israel um, in all kinds of battles, and, and he was a good dude. He, he loved God, he, and, and, and he, was, he was a warrior, right? Well, listen to what it says in Joshua 2, 10. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. Listen to the timeline. Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. Parting of the Red Sea, all these miracles, manna fell from heaven. 
amazing miracles. God gave them the Ten Commandments. You maybe have watched the movie about it. Good old Charlton Heston back in the day. Right? All these amazing miracles. And then Joshua leads the people into the promised land. They take possession of the promised land. It's like, man, this is the heyday for the Israelites. Things are going awesome. And then Joshua dies. And another generation grows up that didn't acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. My kids usually want less oversight. They want more freedom. And my kids are at that age where I'm starting to coach them more than just like lock the the prison doors down, right? (laughs) They're at that age where it's like, okay, you're gonna have a little bit more freedom, but I'm still the boss, right? And it's a fun age to see them kind of spread their wings and kind of figure things out and and to to, um, learn some lessons. Um, You know, it's fun. But a future with no oversight, less mentors, less wisdom, let the kids figure everything out on their own. Anyone that's ever had a three-year-old or known a three-year-old or a 16-year-old, for that matter, knows that this is a bad idea. (laughs) It's a bad idea. And so what we see here is that somehow the intentionality was lost and a generation grew up that did not know God or know what God has done or know anything about about the goodness of the Lord. We're living that right now in America. We're living that right now in America because our culture would say, just let them find their own way. Don't put boundaries, don't inspire, don't influence, just they'll figure it out. And why do we do this? Because a lot of times it's just uncomfortable to talk about faith. And why is it uncomfortable to talk about faith? Because for one thing, it's hard. Faith is hard. Number two, many times for us as adults, it's hard to talk of faith that we're not really living out because we feel like hypocrites. And so the first thing we do is we get really intentional in our own life. We start reading God's word. We start going to church. We start putting him first. We start having conversations about what God wants to do in our life and how we're applying it to our life. We go to a life group. We get connected. We, we, we follow the Lord in baptism. We're obedient to his word. And then what do we do? We start to intentionally invest in the lives of the people around us because we don't want to be a part of the generation that grows up and doesn't pass the baton. We don't wanna do that. Back in 2019, um, I don't know why, to this day I don't know why, but I felt like God put it on my heart and um, to share with my parents how thankful I am for them. You know, a lot of times we we wait till the very end and you know, we we say great things about people at their funeral. And we wish we could have looked him in the eye or really communicated what was on our heart. And I, for some reason, God put it in my heart that I didn't, want to, I didn't want to wait till then. I didn't want to wait till then to thank them for the legacy and the generational impact that they've had in my life. Right? And so I just want to read you some of the things that I said to my parents because I've talked to parents lately that just don't know. They don't know, they don't know how, how hard to push with their kids, how hard to influence, how, how to inspire, what to do. I've talked to parents lately that don't know what the purpose is in their own lives. They're trying to figure it out. They want to make a difference for God, but they don't know how. 
And many times I encourage them, hey, you parenting your kids towards Jesus is the most impactful thing that you could ever do, right? But I see this, this, this lack of intentionality and this lack of purpose in our lives so much of the time. And so I, I am not an expert. My kids are not perfect. We've got issues just like every other family. But I do know that, man, I had some really good examples in my life. And, and, and I'll tell you right off the bat before I read this, my parents weren't perfect. They, they would never tell you that they're perfect. But they love Jesus. And they tried to pass it on. Simple as that. And so here's what I said about my mom and dad. I said, I'm so thankful for your commitment to follow Jesus anywhere, no matter what. I'm thankful for all the coaching moments. You were always so present and available to tell me about life and to prepare me for it. Your love for God's word. I used to get up in the morning and, and my mom kneeled beside the couch with the Bible open reading since 5.30 in the morning. Recently, my mom showed me the list of all the years that she's read through God's word and I'm just so proud. They're probably really uncomfortable listening to me, <laughs> like all eyes on them, but no, no, it's just, it's, this is the kind of things that we wanna pass on. All the years that my mom read through the Bible and. Oh, and it makes such an impact on me. I said, I'm so thankful for your love for God's word and your intentionality in teaching it to me. I know what I know about God's word from you. My Bible school seminary education doesn't hold a candle to all that I learned from you. Your consistency and your steadfast endurance. I'm so thankful for that. You are the same people always. And it's a rarity these days, and it's something that people compliment me on because they see it in my life, and I know that I am that way because of you. Your love for people. From having people in our house to doing things for people, you were never short on love for others. Your work ethic. I've never known more harder working people. Your wisdom. I still value it so much. Your stories. Your answer to the call of being a missionary. Your reputation. You never compromised it. You're so respected and honored and I'm so proud. And so I share that, just that little glimpse into my heart because for you as a parent, for you as a single person that's mentoring teenagers, for whatever you're doing, you wanna begin with the end in mind and think about what do I want my kids to say about me? What do I want the, the teenagers that I've mentored to say about me? What do I want, I want the kids and the kids ministry to say about me? What do I want them to remember about me when I'm gone, right? And all of that boils down to one word, intentionality. It's not being perfect, it's not having all the answers. It's not, and, and trust me, our family growing up, we weren't perfect. We had issues just like everybody else. But at the end of the day, our relationship with Jesus and following him and keeping our eyes on Christ, enduring, 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 was more important than anything else. Isaiah 26, eight says this. Yes, Lord, walking in the ways of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. What if that was just our whole families, our whole lives in a nutshell? 
that I am just here existing. I'm waiting for the promises that you promised me, God, and, and making you known and making you the most important thing in our life and your fame and your renown, that is what our lives are gonna be about. What if that was a picture of our life? That at the end of our life, if, even if everything didn't work out, and, and just so you know, I know that, man, some kids go, uh, you know, away, even when we've done our best to lead them towards Christ, some kids choose differently, and it's heartbreaking, right? It's absolutely heartbreaking. But the, at the end of the day, we're not going to give account for our, our adult kids' choices. We're going to be asked, what did you do with Jesus? What'd you do with Jesus? And so what we get to decide is how intentional are we going to be? How intentional are we going to be? So I've got a purpose in the family of God, and you do too. It's to make much of Jesus with my life. It's to carry the baton well. It's to pass the baton off to, and to the next generation and to invest in them, to inspire them, to influence them. I can't legislate the heart. I can't make anybody do anything, but I can try to live an intentional life, knowing Jesus, talking about Jesus, pointing people to Jesus, making Jesus everything in my life in hopes that they will catch that same love for Jesus. Amen? And that's what God is calling each and every one of you to do today, to put simple childlike faith in, in the Jesus that died for you on the cross, that loves you more than anything, that has plans for your life, right? To do your best to authentically follow him, not just come to church on Sundays, not just give him lip service with songs and, 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 and even your habits. No, but to say, Jesus, you're everything in my life and I want to live my life for you. And then to intentionally talk to people about Jesus, talk to your kids about him, talk to your coworkers about him, talk to your neighbors about him and make sure that his renown, his fame, is the most important thing that you pass on in your life. We have gotten really individualistic as a society, which is not all bad. There is an individual aspect to our relationship with Christ. But at some point, God's going to look you in the eye and say, follow me. And for some of you, he's saying that today. He's saying, follow me. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes today. Oh, I know that today is kind of a heavy talk. Anytime we talk about family and anytime we talk about legacy and our lives and what we're passing on and, and we, we all have that question of, man, am I doing it right? Am I getting it right? Am I, am I, am I all that God called me to be? Am I, am, am I missing something? And some of us are carrying regret and some of us are carrying just a heavy burden for our family members that, that are far from Christ. And there's all kinds of feelings that go along with this kind of talk. And so in that kind of hard, those hard feelings of just real life, could I just challenge you today to come back to Jesus with a simple faith and say, Jesus, I wanna just have a simple faith that I'm following you, that I'm trusting you. I'm gonna try my best to start making the hard choices to follow you, right? And I'm gonna start trying to be just a little bit more intentional with my faith. If you'd like to give your heart and your life to Christ today, you'd like to say yes to a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you were inspired by those that got baptized today. Maybe, um, maybe today is the first time in your life that you really understood that, that God has plans for you, that he has purposes for you that are good. And you wanna begin following Jesus today. 
Um, and you, and it's okay if you don't even have all the answers. Abraham didn't either. But you want to say, hey, I want to put my faith and trust in the Jesus that died for me on the cross, that rose again. You want to start to follow Jesus today. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'd love to pray for you today. Awesome. Thank you. Amen. If you raised your hand or, or if you didn't, but you want to make that decision today, I want to encourage you right at your seat to just pray a simple prayer. And, I'm, and you can pray in your own words, but the Bible is really clear about what you need to do. The Bible says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Isn't that cool? Simple. It's a free gift. It's by grace through faith that you're saved. It's not of yourself. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's a gift from God. And so accept that free gift today and trust your life to Jesus. And you can pray a prayer doing that at your seat right now. And if you do, uh, we've got a, a gift for you in the lobby at the Welcome Center. We've got a Bible and just some resources to get you started in your faith. And so on your way out today, if you want that, you just swing by the Welcome Center and say, hey, can I have that bag Joe talked about? That's all you gotta say. And they'll get that bag in your hand. And um, man, I'm so proud of you. I thank you for, for saying yes to Jesus. And I'm excited for what God is gonna do in your heart and your life. All right, group number two today. If you say, Joe, I need to be more intentional about passing the baton, about what I'm passing on to the next generation. I've been challenged today, and I just want to ask God for help. Just simple as that. If that's you, um, while, I, while I pray this next prayer, I just encourage you as a sign of, of surrender to Jesus, just lift your hand and let's pray together. Can we do that? God, we need you. We want to be more intentional. God, we don't always get it right. God, we don't know all the answers. God, we don't always know how to, to parent best. We don't always know how to mentor the best. We don't always know the purpose and the plans for our life, but we're just gonna trust you. We're gonna take a step into the plans that you have for us in life. God, we're gonna follow you even when we don't know where you're taking us, and we're gonna have simple faith. We're going to uh, try to be authentic, do what we say and, 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 and say what we mean and, and really follow you with our whole life, God. We're gonna, we're gonna intentionally follow you by by getting your word in our heart. We're gonna hide that word in our heart so that we don't sin against you. Jesus, we're going to talk to our family about you. We're gonna to talk to each other about you. We're gonna have conversations with you at the center. Just doing our best to be intentional. So much of the time, God, we don't do this because we look at others and, and maybe how good they do it and we're like, man, I don't know as much as them. I don't have the tools that they have and, and so we just don't do anything. But God, we're not gonna settle for that. We're going to just start doing it, being intentional, talking about Jesus, asking others how we can pray for them and help them and be there for them in their walk with Christ. Help us, Lord. Even if it just starts with, with a simple prayer around the dinner table, or even if it starts with just reading a Bible story with our kids at night, or even if it just starts with joining a life group and just beginning to talk about Jesus, even if we don't even know what to talk about, help us to take that next step in Jesus name in Jesus name help us Lord we need you more than anything amen and amen thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church we hope today's message was life-changing and useful for more info visit mosaiccincinnati.com